Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So Andrew and I are back uh, to talk about more actors turned directors. Uh, and we are talking about uh, the Affleck brothers, uh, Ben and Casey. Uh, and I, as I recall, uh, Ben Affleck's film, which we're going to start with, Gone Baby Gone, was one of the films that you were like, okay, this is why I need to talk about actors turned directors. Um, so we're finally here to one of your, one of the movies you probably would have picked if you were a man and actually made the decisions on this podcast. <laughs> Instead of leaving it to me, this still probably would have been on there. So now we're at Gone Baby Gone. <laughs> yeah, it's a great film. It's, it is the reason why, like, Ben Affleck is the reason why I found this concept so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was amazed when Gone Baby Gone came out, especially because of the fact that prior to its release, so many people were like, oh my God, the guy who's in Geely is going to be directing a mm-hmm. movie. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be? Yeah. And then, would you believe it? It's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I had a... And not just great. It's a genuine masterpiece. I'm going to yeah. throw that word down right away. It is a genuine masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, I'm not even mad at that, uh, at that description. I think it's, I think it's tremendous. Um, I like Ben Affleck as a director. I like some of his other films, uh, but this, this to me is definitely his best. And I don't, like, I like the town, but I don't think it's even close. Like, I think this is a much better made film. And when it first came out, uh, I did see it in the theater, uh, so this is this is one where you cannot blame me. <laughs> um, but I did kind of come in like, uh, okay, we'll see. Not only because like Ben Affleck's career was kind of on the downturn, it did feel a little bit like, well, my acting career is in the shit, so let me just uh, let me try my hand at directing something that I know is going to have a good screenplay. And actually, he uh, co-wrote the screenplay as well, so pretty impressive stuff. And also the fact that Casey Affleck was starring it because before this, like. He wasn't really known. I mean, he was like the he was like a side character and stuff like Goodwill Hunting. You know, like that's what you kind of knew him from at this point. And you're going to have him not only carry a movie, you know, be your lead character here, but also it's kind of a hard boiled detective novel in a lot of ways. Of course, set in a different setting, and he doesn't exactly scream that kind of character. Like he's very slight in build. Uh, he comes off like I would I would say comes off more funny than serious and his kind of natural element. Um, so it was kind of a, and you're like, okay, you're going to cast your brother. Like, is he really any good? Or is this just like a nepotism well, hire? Yeah, exactly. And, and I look at Casey Affleck's career in much the same way as look at Ben Affleck's in the lead up to this film in particular. Um, take the assassination of Jesse, uh, the, speak English, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Take that out of the list. And you look at the films that Casey Affleck was doing before then. American Pie 2, right. uh, Soul Survivors, the Oceans trilogy. Yep. Um, the last, like, he's, these, these aren't acting films you know they're, they're not films silly. that are going to be like yeah. this guy can hold a film right and so yeah it is it is a question of nepotism there like all right is this going to be about you know one guy being looking at his brother's career and saying maybe we can lift this up together and, right. and certainly they do yeah. yeah and not only does he have to carry a movie but he also is he's next to some heavy hitters here uh you know it's gotta yeah. go it's gotta go toe-to-toe with morgan freeman with ed harris uh Amy Madigan, Amy Ryan, even Titus Welliver, who has like a very, he's got a very strong presence. And also, like you talked about this online, uh, but a lot of his scenes are with Michelle Monaghan, who's not maybe seen as this like 
tremendous actress, but she's amazing here. And honestly, I looked at her IMDb and I'm like, I like a lot of the movies that she's been in. I don't know why her career, like you mentioned, like why she wasn't in everything after this. And I have no idea, like even stuff like Source Code, like she's really good there. Like, and, but I think this is probably her best performance. Um, oh, she's got she's got a lot more to do she's got a lot more to do and that and you saying that says a lot because i don't want to and i don't want to put words in your mouth here but i don't think you're saying like <laughs> like everyone else is just kind of okay like there's a lot of no. great performances here um but i think she has a lot of heavy lifting especially near the end of the film because the end of the film is all about like what is the right decision and she has the unenviable task of being a female character who is essentially giving a male character, you know, if you make this choice, it's over. And that can come off very yeah. nagging and very silly and very over-emotional, but she holds that moment so well, and she needs to, and so does Casey Affleck, and I think he does a really good job as well, because we as the audience have to feel that. We have to feel that hesitation of, like, what is the right choice here? There are no easy choices because essentially, you know, people haven't seen it. It's a choice between bringing a child back to their mother who is a terrible mother or leaving a child with someone who kidnapped them but is a good parent. So, like, there's not yeah. a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gray area here. And the small interactions between Michelle Monaghan and Casey Affleck are what sell it. And it it sells it completely and so well like this i can't get over i remember first seeing this movie and it just stunned me how good it was because like i said i walked in like i don't know if it's going to be any good and it's one of the best movies of that year like it's tremendous oh, yeah. and and this is a year where no country for old men yeah. there will be blood you know like those films came out the same year as this yeah it's and, it, like, and it's kind of unfortunate it. it's unfortunate for gone baby gone because i think if this comes out is, in 2004 yeah. or 2011 this is like you know top of a lot of critics lists uh but you know when you've got a massive year like that it's like it's like you know when uh we did our scorsese month and we talked about you know bringing out the dead coming out in 1999 and if that comes out God. in 98 or 2002 then we're like probably talking about oscar nominations and really you know people really loving this movie and it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and i think gone baby gone gets lost too like if you talk to like People watch hundreds of movies like we do. Of course, they're going to know about Gone Baby Gone. But I think if you talk to like a, you know, like a quote unquote, like a normal person who sees like five <laughs> or six movies a year, they'd be like, Ben Affleck directed a movie? Really? Like nobody has any idea, which is a shame because this is, I think it also, it's, it's kind of a masterclass, not only in writing and directing and acting, uh, but the directorial choices made here to give you just enough of how awful all of these things are without diving into it so heavily that it makes you, that it makes you recoil from the movie. Like there's really quick shots. Like there's a whole sequence with a, you know, a pair of child's underwear in a sink mm. that have blood on them. And it shows and it, it flashes to it really quickly and it's beautifully edited. And then most of it is our main character's reaction to that. And we don't linger on the disgusting nature of it. We linger on isn't it, him processing it, which is much more interesting. Yeah. And and isn't it interesting to bring back uh, Bastard out of Carolina, you know, like mm -hmm. to have a shot like that in a movie that is so much about this kind of thing. Right. And yet Bastard out of Carolina is like 
not you're going to watch it and you're going to experience it as the characters are experiencing. You have no choice but to sit there and experience it with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I find those kinds of creative decisions fascinating because yeah. you are telling the same story, but the way that you're telling it tells a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that in itself is a really fascinating decision. And and that's what I like about this film so much. And I like about Ben Affleck as a director, in particular with Gone Baby Gone and The Town, is that he shows like he is so clearly a Boston guy. Oh yeah, and. <laughs> He loves his town. Don't talk to Fincher about that. He'll get really mad. You heard that story, right? Oh, yeah. Gone Girl. He wouldn't no. wear, he wouldn't wear a Yankees hat, uh, in a scene. So they like had to like hold up filming for like hours and hours. And Fincher is still annoyed at Affleck. So Affleck is definitely a Boston guy. There is no question. But that's, but that's what I, I respect that in a lot of ways because, and it shows in this film how much he loves his, his hometown because, yep. He is telling this story not as a way of, like, this is what I, I love about this film so much, is that Amy Ryan's mother, she is a despicable person, mm-hmm. and she is a terrible mother, but he gives us the tools to empathize with her and her story all the way. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really difficult thing to do. And and in my eyes, he's not using this story as a way of being like, you know, shaming somebody who had a kid when they probably shouldn't have or right. shaming people who are drug dealers or anything like that. He knows that that is part of his city and that he knows that that, that is what colors his city and his upbringing and, and everything like that. But he's telling this story because it's part of him. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about him as a director is that he's so – he puts himself out there so much. Yeah. And he's so honest and open in a lot of ways. And – I think that maybe, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, but I think that maybe that's why he wanted to become a director. He wasn't getting those acting performances that he was able to show who he was on film. Yeah. And, you know, that that's – I've grown to admire and respect and love him even more as an actor and as a director. Uh, he's become one of my favorites in particular. I I, I really love all of his work. I, I quite enjoy Live by Night as well. I know that that's well, not you're as, the one as well received. That's nice. But yeah, but it's <laughs> but I can see why it's a why he would do that film. It's not a perfect yeah. film, but I can see his creative voice coming through in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I find him a fascinating director. He's he is one of the modern greats in a lot of ways. I think that certainly with the the triple header of Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and Argo, like it's pretty good. What a what a triple run of films! Like that's a that's a great lineup of movies right there. And it it's I'm excited to see what he does now that he's uh, free of the shackles of Batman and stuff like that. Like mm. I'm I'm excited to see where his creative voice goes from here because. If this is any sign and Argo is any sign, he's got a lot to be able to say. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. Do you? Yeah. Are you as are you as affectionate to him as I am? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he's I. It's I like I like Ben Affleck as an actor. I love him as a director. Um, yeah, and I kind of wish, you know, and you know, his life is his life. But I I do like if it was up to me, I would love if he would just transfer. Like I'm just going to direct. I'm just going to do this because he really, really has a gift for it. He has a gift for the visual aesthetic that he uses. Like you can say a lot of things for Live by Night, and I have. I don't think it's a very good movie at all, but the look of it is pretty incredible. Like he did mm. craft something that's interesting to look at, which that sounds like a throwaway compliment, 
But man, there's a lot of directors that do not make things that are just interesting to look at. It's not that easy to make a visually engaging, exciting film. And he manages to do that, and in a lot of different ways. I would say, you know, this movie and uh, Argo and The Town and Live by Night, they all have a very different look. They all feel like a Ben Affleck movie, but it's not as if you're like, oh, I've seen this all before. That's not that interesting. Um, and I think one thing that's that really stuck with me about this movie, and there's like no nice way to say this, but Affleck, unlike a lot of Hollywood directors, is not afraid to like ugly up his cast. You know, like yeah. there are, you know, he's, you know, he's got people with cleft palates in here, you know, and like even, even actors and actresses who are good looking people, of course they are. That's how they got this job. He's not afraid to like, you know, you know, let's fuck up their hair a little bit. Let's, you know, screw up their skincare routine. Like they have to look like real people who are actually struggling. And you can tell that Affleck knows what that looks like. A lot of directors. Yeah. We'll try to ugly up their cast like, well, let's give them a fucked up fake nose and let's give them a scar that covers half their face. And it's like, no, you don't have to actually go that far. You know, you can make these little alterations that make this feel so much more genuine. And you are actually worried for these people. It's not just like, oh, that's an obvious mask or that's an obvious, you know, fake nose or whatever it is. And he just really, you know, hones in visually on shortcuts that let you know that these are not rich people that these are people who are struggling and you get that right away in this movie i want to say two things i i i disagree with uh, and you'll probably agree with me when i say this but i disagree with your use of saying that uh having a cleft palate is an ugly up of things i don't think that having cleft palate is ugly at all no but a Um, lot but a lot of directors adds character it does but a lot of directors would not cast that Yes, that's you yeah, know what I yeah. mean. Like Which I there, think is, there is I think a Hollywood there yeah. is a Hollywood version of beauty that is impossible to reach, and someone with a cleft palate is not included in that. You no, know? yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so yeah, and, I like that. I like that genuineness, that like grittiness that you get from this. So it it helps with the like suspension of disbelief. I think you know maybe hmm. the only person you know, and she's great in this movie, but Michelle Monaghan is a beautiful woman. And that just, oh, yeah. that's going to come across kind of no matter what. But with that exception, I think everyone really fits this kind of Boston look. And I, you know, and it's a movie that I think is also really rewarding on rewatch. Uh, this is, I think, the third or fourth time I've watched it. And I kind of pick up new things every time because you're not so concerned with, like, solving the mystery anymore that you kind of know where it's headed. And I think that informs the... The performances, especially of Morgan Freeman and Ed Harris here, who are also just wonderful. Ed Harris, of course, is like great in everything. Like he's had this tremendous career, but this is one of my favorite performances from him. I think he's really, really good here. He, yeah, he is. And and to come back to your rewatching aspect of it, I think that this is, you know, certainly I've criticized, um, I, certainly with the the two Jakes in a lot of ways, I, I criticized that that kind of mystery film in a lot of ways because. Once the mystery is solved, you that's it. Most of the time it's like, well, the ride is over. I'm kind of done with it now. I, I can discard this. Whereas with this, when you have that final reveal and that final question that is just it lingers in your mind and there's no right answer to it. There's not. At all. No matter how much you discuss and, and all this kind of stuff, it's there's no right answer at all. Every time I watch this movie, I have like a different opinion of – because you, yeah. it forces you to put yourself in this situation of like what would you do? Because there is yeah. no right. And I think every time I watch it, I kind of flip back and forth. 
like, oh, well, let's kid's mom. We gotta, we gotta give her a chance to recover. Uh, and I think the, the choice of the end of this movie is so powerful and it's such a small thing. Like you have that moment where he makes the choice and you're already like, oh, I don't know if I should have done this. And then you find out she doesn't even know the name of her kid's stuffed animal. And that is yeah. such, it is such a gut punch in a movie full of sucker punches. That is the moment as I think about this movie that I keep going back to, you know, that now he has to live with that choice, maybe knowing that he made the wrong choice, but there's not a wrong choice. There's not a right choice. It is a lot to process. It's a tough, tough movie. You know what point I keep on coming back to is, um, is early on in the film where Michelle Monaghan's character, um, somebody asks her whether she has kids and she said, no. And their response is basically, well, you have no opinion in this and you have no understanding what it's like to be in this situation. And, and I, I keep on coming back to that because this film, on, on this watch at least, and I've seen, just like you, I've rewatched them multiple times, and on this rewatch I was really struck by uh, the pointed aspects of what it means to be a mother and mm-hmm. what it means to uh, care for somebody else. And there's that really pointed barb that, um, Amy Ryan's character, Elaine, throws at her sister where, you know, it's not, Oof. it's not your fault. It, like it was, I can't remember the exact line, but it's something along the lines of, you know, God made you barren. So it doesn't mean that you can come and take my kid and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's such a horrible thing to say. It's a horrible thing to say. But what I'm left with at the end of this rewatch is that it doesn't matter if you are a maternal mother or physical mother or anything like that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't take much to, be a mother figure to somebody or to care and empathize about a missing child or or not even a missing child but the child under the care of somebody else which we see with Michelle Monaghan's Angie at the end where she's mm-hmm. you know as you're saying she says to him like you make this decision that's it we're done and that in itself just shows so much that we have like we have our ability to care and empathize and and love other people who aren't our family figures, who aren't, who aren't part of our own family. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I'm losing what I'm trying to say, but basically I found this really fascinating in the way that mothers are presented. And it doesn't matter if you're, you're connected by blood or anything like that. You can be a mother to anybody mm-hmm. as long as you love them and care for them enough. And that's the, that's the thing that hit me a lot for this particular viewing because it comes back to Morgan Freeman's character who he has that emotional moment where he's tell, telling about how he lost his own daughter and that's why he's doing this. He doesn't want the same thing to happen again. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much to be a father as well. And it doesn't take much to care and look out for somebody else. Um, the downside about it is, again, it comes back to the ending. This is such a complex thing is that there is inherent judgment in there from other people who are like, well, I could be a better figure for this person. I could be a better parent for that person. And you could talk about it until the cows come home, but it's a whether it's better for the daughter to be with him, her mother or to be with him, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I it runs around in my head a lot, and again, I I don't have the right answer for it, and I don't think anybody does. There isn't one. Um, I mean, to be honest. I mean, I think that's the the point of the end of the movie is that there are there are some situations in life that there are not answers for, and you just have to make a choice and hope. Like that's that's it, you know. Um, 
And I think, you know, we kind of talked about the beginning about, you know, the nepotism aspect. And I think you can draw a pretty clear line to casting him in this movie to his career taking off and him winning an Oscar. Like, I think if you don't make Gone Baby Gone, no one, like, I don't think Lonergan casts Casey Affleck if he doesn't see oh, no. his performance, you know? So sometimes you give someone a chance and it, like, it has good and bad impacts, right? Uh, we have the good that we get, you know, some great performances from Casey Affleck. And we get the bad that we get uh, our next movie, which you're going to move into <laughs> right now, uh, which is I'm Still Here. Um, and one thing I want to get out of the way, because I don't want to ignore this. This is a film that I forgot, honestly. And this is this says so much about how much awful stuff is happening uh, in terms of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, that I forgot that this was the movie uh, that Casey Affleck uh, was accused of some very, very inappropriate behavior. And had I remembered that, probably would not have chosen this movie, but we're here now. Uh, so we're going to talk about I'm Still Here, which is a mockumentary uh, directed by Casey Affleck, um, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Basically about Joaquin Phoenix lying to everyone and telling people that he was quitting Hollywood and he was going to be a rapper. Um, and my only con- I had not seen this movie uh, until now. Uh, my only connection with it was I remember very vividly uh, the David Letterman interview that he did, uh, and thinking like everyone else did, like that motherfucker's crazy. Um, that's, that's a weird appearance. And then it's interesting how quickly we forget this stuff. Cause honestly, I forgot all about this. You know, oh, no, I never forgot this. Well, but you're like, you're <laughs> like, you know, president of the walking Phoenix fan club or whatever. Uh, so that's not surprising to me, but I kind of like, and you also saw the movie. So I kind of let it go, I guess. And then, of course, he's been in great movies, not including the movie he won an Oscar for recently. But he's been in a lot. He's had a lot of other great performances since then. And I think people, unfortunately, like, let shit like this go. Because, uh, like, I'm just going to get out of the way now. Like, this movie made me angry. Um, so before I get into why it made me angry, let me let you talk for a minute. So what's your you saw this in 2010, right, when it came out? Yeah, fuck this movie. Um, <laughs> look. <laughs> Like it, it, it uh, one of my favorite films and probably one of my favorite performances is uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Two Lovers, and no one's ever. I seen love that, that film what a lot. That? No one's ever seen that movie. I've nobody's never, ever seen. I've it. never even heard of it. I watch four hundred movies a year. What are you talking about? What is that movie? Two Lovers is a film. They refer to it in here. Uh, it's the the movie that he spends a lot of time at the end of this movie doing the promotional two or four. Uh, okay. Um. He was promoting Two Lovers while he was doing this whole transition to be a rapper kind of thing. And it actively hampered the release and Mm. awareness of Two Lovers as a movie. And again, it's such a beautiful film that you just wonder why, why do this? What about this movie? Like it, it would mean something if he was trying to make a comment about celebrity or. You know, or even referring to the the whole basis of this thing, you know, transitioning from one creative energy to another, mm-hmm. which obviously Joaquin Phoenix isn't transitioning to be a director, but it's like there is something creative about being a musician, and sure. and that would have been interesting in itself. But there's no self reflection in this at all, no. uh, and there's nothing about it that suggests that there is a reason for this to exist, and it's clear that it's fiction, yeah. but it's it's um manufactured fiction that the people who are in the film don't know that it's not real and 
you know, quite a lot of real estate is spent in the movie talking about where people are like, is this a hoax? Is this a hoax? And he gets so upset by it every single time. Yet in his mind, he's like, yeah, it is a fucking hoax. Right. Of course it is. Why would I do this? Nobody in their sane mind would throw away their career at this. Right. And I just, I just cannot fathom why this film exists at all. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. It feels like, it feels like a couple friends are like, wouldn't this be a funny joke? And then they made a movie about it. Um, yeah. I think he is, I think in his mind, I think Joaquin Phoenix and Casey Affleck do think they have something to say about celebrity. Unfortunately, they are wrong. This movie doesn't have anything to say. Um, and it's hurtful. Um, oh yeah. It's mostly what I took away from it. And this is the same reason I never really got into like, uh, acts like Andy Kaufman. Um, because even if you are trying to say something, you're harming people near you. Mm. I mean, okay, you're in on the joke. Great. Nobody else is, is, and you are making their lives a living hell for your art piece. You are not that person's friend. You are a terrible person. Like, and these are people who have been friends for years. Like, and of course, you never know who's really in on it and who's not. But it feels like other than... Casey and Joaquin, it feels like other people are not in on the joke. Um, yeah. So when you treat people like this, especially, you know, the fact that like one of these people is like a trusted friend and confidant and is in recovery and you're going to put him through this, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is not, and you're not proving a point. You're not saying anything interesting. This movie would only have something interesting to say about celebrity and it makes me wonder if this is what they were going for, is if Joaquin actually got a record deal and people yeah. accepted it just because he was famous. And I think so, like, the, the reality gets bended, gets bent a little bit because I feel like that's what they were going for. And then it ended up that everyone fucking hated this because he sucks at it because it's ridiculous. Um, and then they had to kind of readjust to this, you know, and it just I don't know, the whole movie. I was either angry or completely tuned out because there is no one just because you're cruel doesn't make you interesting. I was yeah. interested in this journey for this character of, you know, of JP. I wasn't, I didn't care. You can have unlikable characters that are interesting, whether it be a documentary or whether it be a narrative film, but this is not one of them. Honestly, the only, I, I never thought I'd say this. The only person I respected in this whole thing was P. Diddy. He was the only one, like, he brings him in, and I love that scene where he's like, no, man, you're not, you can't work with me. Like, you're not ready for this. No, absolutely not. And, like, you know, gives him a hug, says, I love you, but just is like, fuck no, man, you suck. Yeah. None of this is I I do love the moment. Yeah, I love the moment where he first meets them and he's he's talking to Casey Affleck, who's clearly behind the camera. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I saw your movie, man. I saw your movie, the, the really good one. And Casey Affleck was like, oh, yeah, Jesse James. He's like, no, man, that uh, <laughs> he's like, that, 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 that kind of baby gone. That was good stuff. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, it was good stuff. Why didn't you learn from it? You know, what the fuck are you yeah. doing this for? Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And it almost doesn't it count. Feels like-, like, had I seen this movie, one, I would never want to watch it again. But I also probably wouldn't have included Why do you think it. I was pushing back so hard again? Yes. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't really fit the like, okay, what did this person learn from being an actor that they, cause like he's not really directing much here. 
You know, he's just like he's grabbing a camera and putting it on his stupid friend who hasn't showered in three months. Like, this is just, it's not interesting. You know, there's not, there's very few directorial choices here. It does feel like the Joaquin show, where it's just like he was kind of running this from in front of the camera. You know, there's a moment later where you get some, like, montages of press reports and what everyone's saying and calling him ugly and unkempt. And I think, like, it feels like, are we supposed to feel bad for him? Like, I don't feel bad for him. Fuck him. Everyone should insult this guy. Good. Because, like, not because you should insult people who haven't showered or people who are stereotypically, like, not pretty, but because, like, you treat everyone like garbage. Like, and then there's the, like, way I kind of talked about, like, yeah, you're in on the joke, but no one else is. You know, you've got the mistreating of the friends, but then you've also got, like, the sex worker sequence, and then you're like, dude, what's going on here? Like, what are we doing? Are you just, are we just like filming an actor doing drugs and having sex with prostitutes to like, so we can put it in a film festival? Or are we doing it because like, I was just doing that anyway, so I might as well roll camera. Yeah. Yeah. I, the notes that I, I've, oddly, I wrote down more notes for this sound for Gone Baby Gone. It makes no sense. But anyway, <laughs> one of the notes which I wrote was like, I wrote, it's like a high art version of the real Cancun, which mm. may sound interesting, but it's still the real Cancun. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, it just doesn't make any sense why this exists. And um, it kind of feels like maybe like coming back to what you're saying, you know, maybe they were trying to hope that he would be actually a good rapper and, and something would happen. Or maybe they might end up being like Florence Foster Jenkins or something like that. Right, where right his his shittiness is the the cause for the the success and all this kind of stuff but even then i don't know if that would be enough to um to warrant this occurring at all yeah and it, 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 the 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 worst thing is as well is that yeah okay the the terrible stuff occurred with this film and it tarnished can can uh it tarnished casey affleck and in a really, really bad way because I had held him up after watching Gone Baby Gone and Jesse James and thinking that he was a respectable person when he's clearly not. No. But worse is that I had thought that Joaquin Phoenix was above this kind of stuff. I had thought that he was not I think most people would. that kind like, of person. Yeah. But and, and and what frustrates me is you listen to his award speeches for Joker and all this kind of stuff and he's all like you know, oh, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't be taking a private jet from Palm Springs to Hollywood, and we should we should be eating less of this, and we should be doing less of this. And it's like, but that's not you as a person. That's right. that's Joaquin Phoenix, the actor as Joaquin Phoenix. Because in this, which is Joaquin Phoenix, the actor as Joaquin Phoenix as the rapper, um, he gets shitty. There's a moment which is the one part that I think is genuinely funny in this movie where he gets shitty at Tobey Maguire and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for getting private jets and they have to have a minivan uh, to take them. A rental minivan, Andrew. (laughs) That was actually like probably the only moment of this movie that not only felt genuine, but was actually like mildly entertaining. Like that, that, that one, but that's like 20 seconds of an hour and 40 minute movie. So that's not great. And I talked earlier about the effects that this is having on real people. Like, what about the sequence where, like, you know, he's failing as a rapper on stage and he, like, jumps into the crowd and attacks somebody? Like, that's a real thing that happened. Whether you thought you were joking or not, you still, like, swung at somebody. And there's, like, a woman next to him who, like, falls down. Like, it's – I was watching this, like, I know you think 
that I'm going to find this entertaining, but I find it despicable. Like the whole, and, and that's true of the whole thing. Like, you know, you're a truly despicable person when I don't feel bad for someone getting shit in their mouth. That is yeah. a despicable person. And also something is like, why are we including this? I just, I, ugh. like, but, but also like, there's that moment when you're talking, when he's, he's talking to his friend and his friend gets upset at him because he's like, they're, they're having a breakup essentially. And his friend's like, I've had my dick in this film. You know, you've shot me completely naked and I've exposed myself for this movie. Uh-huh. And it's like, they had a creative choice to blur that out. Like he has said yep. to him, so he has said that he's not comfortable with that. And we as an audience sit there and have watched that occur. Uh-huh. And yet we see them creatively be like, no, fuck that. Doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And there is every single creative choice that they have with this movie is wrong and incorrect and, and harmful, toxic and, and cruel. And when they invite the sex workers across, there's no blurring of their bodies or their faces or anything like that. There is an identification of who these people are. That's their business. That's who they are. You know, right. what a way to shame them, you know, for, I just, I find this film actively cruel and toxic and mean. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, you know, it's that moment where he jumps in the audience and punches somebody and it's like, these are real people. Right. Like you are Casey Affleck, you are Joaquin Phoenix, you will be perfectly fine. Exactly. And it's clear they're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, after making this, they're both won Oscars. You know, they're yep. both, both had no issues whatsoever. They're both doing whatever they want. Um, oh, but everybody else, there is. Hollywood, a, man. It is. <laughs> oh, exactly. There is collateral damage here. There are people who have been affected by this movie, and that makes it hard to be like, yeah, I'm glad that it exists or anything like that. And I just, I find no purpose for this film at all. And, ah, you know what? I'm I'm glad that A24 didn't exist when this film came out because this feels like the poster for it in particular and, you know, the trailer for it in particular as well feels like such an A24 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid what this film would be like if it was released now, what the reception would be like if it was released now, because nobody who is a fan of Joker is going back and watching Joaquin Phoenix's other films. Uh, nobody's watching Two Lovers, as you are saying. Right. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I wish that they knew that this existed. Yeah, it it was interesting to watch this only from the sense that, you know, all I knew about this movie as I, like, prepped for this was the sexual harassment allegations. Um, and I want to be careful with how I say this, uh, but I do think that there is, they're both ha- very harmful, but there's a difference between sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, and one of them is worse than the other, but they're both very bad. Um, and hearing the stories about this, I was like, oh, that sucks. That's gross. That's not, ugh, I don't like that. Especially because at this point, like I was a big Casey Affleck fan, like just like one of my favorite actors. Um, and this definitely colored my knowing about this colored my impression of Casey Affleck as a human being, as an artist about all these things. And watching this, I was like, even if I didn't believe the claims earlier, if you watch this movie, I don't know how you don't believe that shitty things like that happened. Look at what they're doing to their oh, yeah. friends and think about these poor women 
who were working on this and like and ended up not getting paid for their work and you know basically being forced to leave because they told people to put their fucking dicks away and like you know you hear stories like that and you're even though these things happen all the time if you're a decent human being your mind just kind of reels at the idea that someone would act like this but then you kind of see it on screen here and you're like oh yeah i Yep, I can totally see this. It is not a, it is not a leap from the behavior I, that they showed themselves doing on screen that they were okay with. Like, let, let me show the world this. It's not a big leap to the, the things that they were accused of. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I could see it without much of a problem. So that makes the movie yeah. even worse to know what was going on behind the scenes, you know, for these women who are just trying to earn a fucking living on a, on a movie with two, Two big stars at this point, and they're treated like this. So, like, watching this just really left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I really, honestly, I don't, I don't say this very often, but like, I regret watching this movie. Like, I regret spending the time. Um, in it, and not, and not, I want to say though, not just in a way, I'm glad that we've discussed it though, not just in a, oh, yeah, because, but not just in a way that it's a bad movie. Like, I didn't like the two Jakes. But I'm not like sitting here kicking myself like, oh God, why did I watch that yeah. movie? This is like, this made me feel bad to experience. Like I was just like, I don't, I don't like the fact that I watched this movie. I don't like the fact that this happened. Um, so this is probably the only movie that we'll cover on this, on this month where I'm actively telling people, not just this is a bad movie, but like you should not put any money towards I'm still here. This is not something yeah. you should support. In any way. Like, I'm pretty comfortable saying that. A lot of the time, bad films or films that have a heightened reputation, a negative reputation, mm -hmm. that is sometimes a badge of approval for people. And sure. in a lot of ways where they're like, oh, you hate this film? Well, I must watch it then. Well, no, I I, I do not think that you anybody needs to ever watch this film ever again. I, I honestly don't think that uh, it is that kind of film. And when I marked it on Letterboxd, I, I gave it a half a star rating. And I said, you know, one of the things which a lot of other people have said is that, you know, a zero star film is a is a sign of approval that you should actually seek this film out to see why it's so bad and why it's horrible. Mm -hmm. But a half star film is a confirmed avoid this film at all costs. Yeah. Do not watch this film. And yeah. as you said, you regret watching it. And and that's the thing is that, I mean, I've seen it twice and I don't I don't necessarily regret watching it because i'm glad that i know that this is what joaquin phoenix and casey affleck are like uh, i'm glad i know that because it colors my perception of them mm -hmm. and anything that helps me be aware of what my um film star heroes i guess is a, a you know the the words to use um what they're truly like, uh, anything that colors that perspective and helps me make the decision of whether I want to financially support their work or not, or actively see it or promote their work or not. Um, anything that helps me, uh, decide that is great, uh, in, in a lot of ways because I don't, you know, you look at what happened uh, yesterday with the Cesars and, and, um, you know, everybody walking out, uh, deservedly so when Roman Polanski won best director there and, we need to have these conversations in the in the public and we oh, need yeah. to make people aware that Oscar winners are doing terrible things. And while Me Too is occurring and, you know, Harvey Weinstein's going to jail and stuff like that, there are still people walking in public in in the industry getting away with it perfectly fine. And yeah. 
that's a conversation that we certainly need to have. As white men, um, I think that it's important that we also have – because we're culpable. Like I've not done anything. You've not done anything. But we're part of a system that allows this to occur. And we're responsible for ourselves in a lot of ways. And, and the other white men that we associate with them, we've got to have these discussions. So yeah. in that regard, I'm glad that we did have this discussion. But sure. yeah. it's a horrid film to encourage the discussion <laughs> to occur. Yeah, just a little uh, kind of behind the scenes aspect. I kept I kept avoiding watching this movie because I kind of had a feeling I was not going to enjoy <laughs> it. And Andrew actively more than once was like, let me just tell you what happened so you don't have to watch it. Like, I don't want you to, yeah. have to go through this. And uh, part of me kind of wishes I had taken you up on that now. But, you know, it is not <laughs> too late for that. But I do feel like uh, if you're going to talk about this, like you do have to kind of experience it is a truly shitty experience that you really do have to be there for to have that discussion. But I, uh, I'm not happy that I watched it. But again, because Andrew makes me make all the decisions this month, uh, this one's on me, unfortunately. Yeah, so, and, and, and yet, and yet a little more behind the scenes stuff at the beginning of this, you were like, Hey, why don't we do an Australian film? And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. But you know, you've got your lineup already set. We're pretty good with that. And then when I reminded you, because, you weren't aware that uh, Jennifer Kent used to be an actor and is now a director and has decided to stick with that career and it's doing pretty well for herself. I'm Son like, of a bitch. you missed an opportunity to discuss the Baba Yeah, and see, but, hey. I just, okay, so let's, let's just put it <laughs> like it is. I offered Andrew, I will, rem- I will move things around if you want to do some Australian film. So all you people who have followed Andrew over from the curb to listen to this, he was like, nope, that's fine. Don't need to talk about Australian films. Mr. Like, I'm going to defend the Australian film in print. As soon as he gets on a podcast and has to do some work, he's like, nah, that's okay. Aussie films, not really that interesting. Let's stick with, with Casey Affleck. So this is on you, Andrew. <laughs> I did offer to move this around. All right. So that is it for this episode. Uh, if you want to um, see some more of Andrew's work, go to thecurb.au.com. Uh, if you'd like to follow the, our podcast on Twitter, it's at DirectedByPod. And if you'd like some kind of special features of the podcast, including interviews about specific directors, and, th- and this month, me and my regular co-host Mike talking about Keeping the Faith, a, uh, a film directed by an actor, Edward Norton, uh, you can donate pretty much, you know, as little as $1 a month to our Patreon. You get access to all that stuff, and it's just patreon.com slash a podcast directed by 